Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom now and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. And join me in prayer. Our first prayer is there at the top of the page. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may love you completely, and rightly magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ teaches. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he said, first, love God. Second, love everybody around you. Right? That's what Jesus said we need to be doing. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. For thou only art holy, thou only art Lord, and thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. And I'm going to uh, have a couple of songs. If you know the words, they're old songs. So if you know the words and want to join me, uh, you can. I don't have any uh, printouts of them or any more of this type of hymnal with me. But turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Do that one more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. O Christ, solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Like I said, hopefully one day we'll be able to have uh, our family with us here. Because my mom and grandma, they are singers. And I usually... <laughs> Not that uh, I try to sing, but and um, join me in the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the back of that page, you'll see the verses that we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to look at one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. It definitely contains the most famous, this chapter contains the most famous verse. And a lot of people know that verse by heart. But I wanted us to see the whole story where that verse comes from so we can put it in context, you know, not, not just remember that one verse, but see what happened. Why did Jesus say these things? And um, I'll give you a little bit of background information. This man that Jesus come and talked to Jesus, he came in the middle of the night because people, um, he was high up in the local synagogue. He was high up. He had a government job. And he was scared that if they saw him talking to Jesus, they might try to arrest him because they were trying to arrest Jesus. And so he didn't want nobody to know he was talking to Jesus at first. So he went late at night, and they sat around the campfire and talked. And he was over the group called the Pharisees. Some people think that Jesus' family, uh, Joseph and, not, and um, Mary's family, were actually part of the Pharisee sect also because... The Pharisees, they taught things like angels, which we talked about last week. And they taught that there's going to be resurrection, that one day God will come back and lift up our bodies. And our bodies will be whole again. And we live together with God forever in good bodies that weren't worn out. And um, the Pharisees taught those things and Jesus taught those things. So some people think Jesus' family was Pharisees. We know that Paul that wrote like Romans and Corinthians and all those, we know that he was from a Pharisee family. But um, this man, he was high up in the Pharisees that came and talked to Jesus. His name was Nicodemus. And we're going to look at um, what he was asking Jesus and what Jesus told him. And then we're going to talk about the most famous verse in the Bible. So, starting with uh, John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, that just means teacher, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, what miracles had Jesus been doing? He had changed water to wine. He'd, he'd heal people. He'd even like raised a uh, young girl from the dead and told her, wake up. It's time to get up. And um, she came back to life. And Jesus answered him and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this, uh, we're used to this language of being born again. But to Nicodemus, uh, he, this is probably the first time he ever heard anybody say be born again. And uh, some of the translations are to be born from heaven. 
But, it's, uh, but to be born again, uh, it confused him because nobody had ever said this to him before. He was taught, if you do the right thing, if you tithe enough, if you do enough good deeds, then you'll go to heaven. And uh, But Jesus was saying, no. He says, you have to be born again to go to heaven. And so he says, picking up here, very, very, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can man be born when he is old? Is he saying, like, I'm old, I'm starting to be an old man. Do I need to be a little baby again? I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, remember, he was, he was baptizing people with water. He was baptizing them for, um, for forgiveness. He was baptizing them because they wanted to follow God's plan and do all the right things. And John the Baptist said, there's going to be one coming greater than me. And he's going to baptize with spirit and fire. And... I can't even, I'm not even good enough to pick up his shoes, is what John the Baptist told people. And so um, here Jesus is saying, well, you've got to be born of spirit and water. So he's saying what John was saying is true. You've got to change your life and be good. But you also have to be baptized in the spirit. You have to be have a new spiritual life. See, all the, all the good works and stuff's outside the body. But you have to also be changed inside the body. Be made pure again like a little baby that's innocent. It has to be the change on the inside. And he says that's the, that's the uh, spiritual verse. So Jesus said you have to be born of water and spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So if you're just, if you're just born of the flesh... After your body wears out, you go to the grave. That's it. But if you're born from the Holy Spirit, because it says right there in the King James Version, capital S Spirit. Uh, if you're born from the Spirit, capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, then you, uh, you'll have a spiritual body that will last forever. And even if people beat us up, if we get in car wrecks and... Or if something happens and they have to like amputate an arm or a leg or, or if uh, this body wears out or it burns up in a fire, you still have that spiritual body that's going to last forever through Jesus Christ. There still will be a spiritual body. And when He comes back for you, He's going to bring you a new physical body as well. Now that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. He said, I don't know why you're getting this so hard to believe, uh, Nicodemus. You know, you're a smart guy. Why are you marveling at this? The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He says, you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going. You don't need to try to figure out 
the God, how God works. You just have faith that God is working. And the Holy Spirit goes where he wants. And he uh, baptizes who he wants. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Very, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do not know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. He said, You've seen people talk about the miracles, and you're still not accepting it wholly. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And we're going to pause right there for a minute. On the front side, you see I got a picture of Moses holding up the cross with a snake on it. And that was from an Old Testament story. You remember, I don't know if you remember the story. I'll let you know. So after the children of Israel, the Hebrew children, they left slavery in Egypt, right? And they were going to the promised land. And God gave them manna to eat every day. He'd send them manna to eat. And uh, Moses would even like cause water to come up out of the rocks, give them something to drink. But the Israelites, they were always grumbling and complaining. Always uh, think they wanted more. Like, this isn't enough. And then, like, well, yeah, we didn't starve to death, but back in Egypt, we had good food because the, the slave master would give us his scraps, and out here, all we got is, like, bread every day. And they were complaining like this. And so God was annoyed by their complaining. And he, he said, why did I save these people? And he let the fiery serpents go through your camp and started biting people. And some of them that were bit were starting to die, get sick and die. And then Moses went and interceded for them and said, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, please have mercy on these people. You've already saved them out of Egypt. And, you know, I know they're just like in that old song, the heart is prone to wonder. You remember that song, the heart's prone to wonder. But, um, but uh, they want to, they will come back to you and just have mercy on them and show them your mercy and grace. And so God told Moses, well, go make a brass serpent, just like one of those snakes crawling around. Put it up on this pole and lift it up in the wilderness. And then when the people are bit, when they look up at that cross and see that snake, They'll see the sign of sin. They'll see the punishment for sin because the snakes were punishment for them being for sinning, right? When they see what the punishment of sin was, then God would heal them. And so Jesus is telling Nicodemus here, I'm going to be like that serpent that was, that was uh, raised up on that cross in the wilderness by Moses. And he's confused about what's going on. About, like, you know, well, why does he got to, what does that mean exactly? But I tell you what it means. Why did Jesus die? Did he die because of something he did? No. He died as a punishment for our sins, right? Because it was us. He was taking our place, he was taking our punishment. And just how that snake was a punishment for the 
sins of the children of Israel. Jesus being crucified on the cross, being put to death for us, shedding his perfect, innocent blood for our sinful blood, that was the punishment for sin. So when the Israelites looked and saw the punishment for sin being the snake, we look to the cross and see the punishment of sin, Jesus being high and lifted up, being beaten, being scourged, having the crown of thorns placed on his head. And we say, that's because of my sin. The Israelites said that snake was because of their sin. We see Jesus being beaten and we say, that's because of our sin. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell him. This is before it happened. He's saying, you're gonna, when this happens, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Though, because you're going to remember this conversation. And then he said that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And here it is, the most famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so he said, God loves you, even though you keep messing up, even though you keep sinning against his perfect law, even though you turn his back on him when he saved your people from slavery, when he saved your people from pandemics, when he saved your people from all these viruses, you still turn your back on him. He still loves you. And he loves you so much that he sends his only begotten son, his perfectly created son. He sends the Jesus Christ, the one that always was at his right hand, that did his bidding, his son, who was God in his flesh. He sent him to die for us. He says, and if you believe on Jesus, you won't die forever. You may go to sleep for a while. This body may wear out for a while, but you will not perish. You will not die. You will not go to the flames. You will be with him and have everlasting life. And one of the pictures of heaven I always like to say is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. See, Jesus says that the church is his bride, right? And at the wedding party, you ever been to like a big wedding and there was a big feast afterward? Or there's a big reception and there's always people bring in good food and it's a uh, big music sometimes and punch and it would um, be this great party, time of fellowship where two families are coming together and Jesus, that's one of the pictures of heaven when Jesus talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb at the end of time that when we get to heaven it would be like that big party where we all come together and we will thank God and worship and we would love each other People from all over the world, from every generation. It says every tribe, every language, every generation. That means people from Europe, Africa, Asia, people, old people, young people, even babies. Even babies that hadn't been born, that died before they were born. They will be there in marriage, supper of the land. And that's one of the pictures of heaven. And Jesus said that... It's what God wants to give people because He loves them so much. He don't want anybody to go to hell. He wants to draw all people towards Himself. And He gives you the choice if you want to follow Him or not. And if you want to go to that party, if you want to follow Him, if you want to live forever, 
He's saying that this world might not be perfect. You may still suffer. You still may get sick in this world. But there is a time coming when all this would just be a faint memory. This is just for a little while. That goodness is going to last forever. And um, then he says, going on in verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. And this is like one of the biggest problems I think I have when trying to share with my friends and family that aren't believers. It says that Jesus came just to give you a bunch of rules to live by. Jesus came just to lay down all these... Uh, he wants to control you. And the people at the church want to control everything you do. And give you a long list of thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, well, you are already on the road to hell because of sin. But he came to save you. He came so you wouldn't have to go that route. So you wouldn't have to uh, suffer that pain forever. So you wouldn't have to be separated from God. See, they believe this lie, too, that in hell that all their friends are going and they'll be able to have a big party with all their friends. You heard people say that? Well, all my friends are going to hell. Might as well, too. But how does God describe hell in the Bible? It's out of darkness. It's loneliness. They're not going to see each other. It's going to be out of darkness and loneliness. It's going to be torment. Where it's like, And they will pray to die. But it says that's where the worm dies not. And so they, they even believe lies about hell that make hell look good. They believe lies about Jesus making him look like he's trying to control us and that and not that he did these things out of love. And they believe the, all these lies. Because who's the father of lies? Satan, right? Devil. He's the father of lies. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no way cometh to the Father except by Him. And so, that's uh, verse 17. A lot of people leave that one off when they say John 3, 16. The 17 is, uh, I, I made that real, uh, underline it too. Because it's important to remind people that He didn't come to send people to hell. He come to rescue people from hell. Now, he that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so, when Jesus met with Nicodemus that late night, trying to tell him, he was telling him that the cross was coming. The cross is going to come. And that's what we're supposed to do if we're believers. We're supposed to remind people about the cross. And that's supposed to be my job when I preach is remind people of the cross. Paul wrote in a letter to the Corinthians. I didn't put out the verses, but a little summary of it's right here. And it says, To preach the message of the cross seems like nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. See, when you, when you try to tell the world about the cross, they say, How does one person getting killed save me forever? See, because they don't understand the ideas of sacrifice. They don't understand the ideas of sinlessness. They don't understand the ideas that, that God loves us so much that He pours out all that, all that um, pain and suffering, all, that, all the um, punishment on to Jesus. He absorbs everything 
that, that we are supposed to get. But to them, it seems like nonsense. And they say, how did Jesus die for our sins when we haven't sinned yet? But Jesus is forever. God's forever. And so the ideas that we have about time don't really uh, apply to him. And, but to us who are being saved is the mighty power of God released within us. That's right. The only power we got is the power of salvation. That's where it comes from. Jesus, when he died on the cross, uh, before he went back to heaven, he said he was sending another comforter, right? He was sending uh, his friend, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he said the Holy Spirit's coming, and the Holy Spirit's going to work in you and with you. And it's going to, like... Pull at your heart when you hear the words of forgiveness and it's going to remind you of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And that's what he's going to do, the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, he says, well, even long before Jesus was born in the manger, the prophet Isaiah wrote this, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise and the world's smart people won't understand it. And so a lot of people that... You know, you, you see today a lot of people that uh, are scientists and stuff like that. Well, that doesn't make sense. The religion doesn't make sense. Christianity doesn't make sense. But thousands of years ago, the prophet Isaiah said, all the smart people, are, they're going to they can't understand it. Because they're trying to figure it out with their this mind, not their heart mind, right? They're trying to figure it out like it's a math problem. Not like it's a heart problem and a sin problem. Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world is utter foolishness? That is why we preach the cross. We preach Christ crucified. Because that's the only hope we have. The only hope is Christ crucified. Because if all these stories are true here in the Bible... Except for that one, it doesn't really help us the long run, does it? If we put all our faith in Him, and it's like it's the, He's the only hope we have. Nobody else has the ability to lift us up out of the grave, to give us a new life, to give us a new body, to give us a new family. I want to ask one of my favorite uh, things that the New Testament talks about, the spirit of adoption. We're adopted into a new family. In that family, there's people of all colors, people of all nations, and people of all different ages. And we come together as one family through Jesus. Amen. And so, moving forward, what do we need to do? We need to remember that our only hope is Jesus. Jesus on the cross is our only hope. Not just for us either, but for the hope of the whole world. And I know that a lot of our friends and family and nieces and nephews and kids, and they, they sometimes when you, they say, you just preach too much when you try to tell them about Jesus. The ones that, that need to hear it. But don't give up on them yet. Don't give up on telling the truth to people. And don't give up on telling them that Jesus loves them. See, a lot of people are used to hearing the opposite side. They're used to hearing the world say, oh, well, 
Jesus is ready to send you to hell. Jesus is going to send you to hell. But Jesus loved them so much. He came to rescue them from hell. They were already going there. And He came to rescue them. That's one of the things we need to remember. When we go back out into the world and leave this fellowship here together. And um, I was going to say one more prayer. And uh, before we get ready to head out. And it's a uh, prayer of forgiveness. It's um prayer of forgiveness. Yeah. Most merciful God. Now I want you to listen to these words. And uh, if you believe this or feel this, you can just quietly say to yourself, like me too, amen. And most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed. The things that we think about, the things we say, the things we do, and also the things we left undone that we should do and we don't do them. And we haven't loved you with our whole heart like Jesus told us there in the beginning of our lesson today. And we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves. We love you, but some days we, we forget to even stop and talk to you for a minute. We, we even forget that you're there some days. And we take you for granted. But please forgive us and don't take your Holy Spirit away from us. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name forever. Amen. And uh, hear the words of God all that turn to Him. So anybody that believes in Him, trusts in Him uh, with their heart, here's what the Bible says. Come unto me, all of you uh, labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. These are the words of promise. These are things God promises. For God to love the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is a true saying worthy of all men to be received, 1 Timothy says, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come for the good people, did he? He came to save sinners. And uh, like Paul said, that's what I was. I was a sinner. And every day I have to wrestle with that. Every day when I wake up. I haven't smoked in 15 years, but every once in a while I wake up in the morning and think, man, I need a cigarette. <laughs> and I have to wrestle with that devil every day. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's the perfect offering for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He goes before God, before the mercy seat, and he argues our case for us. Amen. And so if you believe in him, you have that place. You have that place. You're part of the family. You'll be there at that marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, we talked about Moses today. And God told Moses to tell his brother Aaron, when all my people to get together and they sing songs and say prayers and worship me, before they go back home, before they leave there, I want you to give them all this blessing. And it's from the book of Numbers. And he says, when my people will get together, before they go, give them a blessing. He says, Almighty God, bless, may Almighty God bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. And the eternal Lord, may He lift up His countenance to you 
and give you peace. Amen. All right, and um, I should be back next month on the second and third Sundays next month. So right now I'm doing two Sundays a month. Um, but, um, you know, I also uh, preach at a, a little church on the north side of town. And a lot of the, um, a lot of the places, clinics and stuff, and they, don't, they haven't allowed me to come back in yet to have that. But luckily now we can come. So twice.